Welcome to the 517 Life Podcast, a ministry of The Exchange. I'm Heather May, joined by Tracy Lee and Carrie Puckett. I cannot wait to share today's episode with you. On this episode, you are going to hear an amazing story of God's faithfulness from my good friend, Natalie Barfield. To know Natalie is to love her and her contagious smile and personality. You would never guess that for the last few years, behind that smile has lived tremendous pain and heartache. You're going to hear some of her journey today, from being a teenage mother to living through addiction, infidelity, and divorce. But most of all, you will hear how Jesus met her in the middle of her greatest loss and heartbreak. Just get ready. You're about to hear some real honest truth from this girl. Here's our conversation with Natalie Barfield. Today, we're excited to be talking to a very good friend of mine and all of us around the table, Natalie Barfield, a friend of mine who has, um, I guess we've met, how, how long ago, Natalie? Eight years ago? Yeah. I think we Launch met day. right after um, we launched the Exchange Church in Pearl, I met you guys, met you then, and um, I can't believe it's been eight years. I know. It's been a long time. <laughs> it has. And it's been incredible to see the journey of faith that God has had you on over these last eight years. I'm so excited that you took time out of your day to come talk with us about it. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to kind of share what God's been doing in my life over the last eight years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and your family right now, and then we'll get to your story. Okay. Um, like Heather said, my name is Natalie Barfield. I turned 30 this year. Um, I have two boys. Brayden is 12. He'll be 13 in October. And Warren is four and he'll be five in a couple weeks, actually. Um, we live out in Madison, which is where I was born and raised. And, um, and they started school back today. They did. Brayden started that school this morning. Grade. It was good. He's easy. You know, he's a boy. No, no stress Boys about outfits easy. or whatever or yeah. hair. It's just, <laughs> please get a shower before we go. <laughs> what? How early is your morning now? Um, I start at six. Wow. But I'm the kind of person I set an alarm starting at five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me too. I always have at least four, five, six, eight alarms on my phone in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And they say like the most intelligent, like go get it people, like don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's well. what I do too. Whatever. Somebody made that up. That's I not think true. so, too. They just made that to shame us. I agree. You and do whatever mine, it takes to get out of the bed when you yes, have to get out of the right. bed. And my alarms are songs or ringtones, so to speak. Oh, yeah. So I know when I hear a certain song play and it's like, you need to get up now. No more snoozing. <laughs> yeah. Do you hate that song now? No. Okay. I don't. <laughs> my husband has one. It's like his final final. Really? And it's his song. And I hate that song. <laughs> So I know there's no there's no arguing with that song when that right. song plays. You got to get up. <laughs> no more. All right. No so Natalie time. and I met about a year ago, I guess, and you were my life group leader. Still are like gotten to know you through that, and you were the sweetest person when I first met her. You just have this this thing about you that draws people in and makes you want to be a part. Yes. And oh. I am really Very excited welcoming. to hear about what you have to share today, because I know there are so many layers and there's so much depth to you. But Natalie is one of these people who she it's never about her. No. When you talk to her, she always makes you the star. Absolutely. And I want to know what is going on with you. Who are you? What has God been doing in you? Because it's evident you can't look at her and not see Jesus. Oh. So what's going Thank on, girl? You. Huh. So I became a teenage mom at 17. My ex-husband now and I, we had a child very young, and so the odds were kind of stacked against us, and it was 
kind of a ruckus, so to speak. I was, we were from two different worlds and um, I was a, you know, Madison County girl, went to a private school and I ended up pregnant at 17 and you can't go to a private school pregnant. So I had to drop out and um, yeah, life of adversity kind of started there and um, you know, life progressed. We, we tried to hold on to our family unit and tried as hard as we could to, to build a family foundation. And um, I ended up uh, graduating from college, even being a mom and working full time. And we found the exchange eight years ago on launch day. We were actually living in Canton at the time. My sister-in-law had lived in Pearl, and she she knew we were looking for a church home. She said, y'all come try this place out. She said, their first day is tomorrow. I'll go with you. You know, we'll just try it out and see. And so we did. We drove from Canton, Mississippi, all the way to Pearl, <laughs> to this building with icy machines and slushy machines and <laughs> cotton candy and neon yep. walls. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think every church should offer those things. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. The kids were in. They yeah. were. <laughs> yes. I say kids. We only had one at the time. Yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's kind of where our journey with the exchange started. We, after leaving that first launch day, we knew this was home. We knew it was home. We knew that this is where we wanted to be. Um, I'm so thrilled that God connected you to the church. Yes. I'm and so thrilled that I got to know you. It's nothing but God because how else would we have heard about the exchange? Right. You know? It's where you're supposed to be. Exactly. Well, I want to go back to you talked about being a teenage mom. How hard was that? And and even talk about your family because you talked about even being in private school. What was that like for you? Were you a Christian at that time? I knew of Jesus and I would have considered myself a Christian back then. Looking back, no. Yeah. No. I thought up until the time of getting baptized, which I'll talk about, Jesus was very superficial. You know, no right, do right, be right kind of thing. Be a good person, you'll be all right. I know who Jesus is. I do believe he died on the cross, but that was the extent of yeah. it for me. Very superficial level for me. So I didn't have that deep-rooted hope and faith in dealing with being a teen mom. Mm. And it wasn't easy. It, it it caused a lot of hardship for my parents and a lot of difficulties between my parents and I. We didn't see eye to eye on things and they were heartbroken. Mm. You know, they they had my life planned out, you know, what, what they thought it would look like. And this was not a part of the plan. Mm. So it wasn't easy. Yeah. Okay, so you you found the exchange mm-hmm. and pick up with your story there. So we found the exchange and the exchange launched in 2012. That's right. 2012. So we began coming as a family every week and we got involved. We were serving in little life at the time. We didn't have very many children back there back then. Um, but that's kind of where our journey started. And then in March of 2014, Together, we took the step of baptism, and um, that was kind of a a changing moment for us. That was something he had been raised um, mostly by his grandfather, who was a pastor, and so he had been, he had grown up around the church, and I had not. So it was interesting for us to walk that walk together and um, learn what it looked like to be a married couple, soon to be married couple at the time, um, how that looked. To, to model that. So we got baptized in March of 2014, and we actually got married later that year. Bryant married us in October of 2014. 
So we got married in 2014, and shortly after that is when addiction entered my life. Even after having been baptized together, at this point in my life when addiction was running rampant in my marriage, um, I thought that I knew what a relationship was like with Christ. Looking back now and dealing with that, I realized that my foundation was not on Jesus. Mm. My foundation at that time was on social status. Mm. And if I could make everything look okay, it was okay. If nobody knew we were struggling, then I was successful. Mm -hmm. It was more about the facade of success. I wanted to be seen as good. And with that being said, after addiction had entered my life, um, we decided to separate. We had been married, I guess, two or three years. I don't remember at the time. And so at that point, you know, everybody knew we were struggling. Everybody knew my marriage was failing. There was no more hiding it. I could not hide the struggles anymore and the pain anymore. The only thing left was Jesus. That's all I had to cling to because everything that I had clung to before that point was gone. It was completely wiped away. And actually, during that time, I reached out to you, Heather, and we went to dinner. And at that dinner, I kind of filled you in on what was going on in my life. And you invited me to a women's life group that was actually meeting the very next night. So I came. And at that point, I hadn't, we had been involved in a couple's group, but not consistently. And I had never been involved in a women's group for just myself. So that very first night, I come to that ladies' group meeting. And you have us do an exercise. I call it the paper plate exercise, where we, on one side of the paper plate, we draw what we want people to think of us. And then on the other side of the plate, we draw what's really going on or what people don't see. And that was really eye-opening for me because, again, at that point, nobody knew I hadn't shared with anybody in depth about what was going on. So that was really eye-opening for me. And that's where I began to learn to live transparently. And I think what was so neat about that night, neat or sad, I'm not sure, was everyone's sides of the plate were so different. The, the happy, the smiles a lot on one side that everybody else sees. This is, this is who I am. And then on the back, it was just all these different struggles. And I think for you that night, I just remember thinking, thank you, Lord, that you showed her that she's not alone, that, that she's not the only one who is feeling this tension of not being able to be fully transparent, having to act like everything's okay. Yeah. And one thing I took away that night was, People can't walk with you in your struggles if they don't know you're struggling. People can't help when they don't know that mm -hmm. you need help or just encouragement. We were separated and, and we remained separated until um, January of 2017. And there came a point where I was ready to have divorce, pa divorce papers um, drafted. Um. And sometime in there, before anything was ever finalized or filed, God intervened. And he, my husband came to me and said he wanted to seek treatment. 
So he entered a six-month inpatient rehab, and that was hard. Um, you know, I, at that time, we had had our second child, and so I was a single mom to two kids um, dealing with complete home renovation because of things that were happening with our house um, and the foundation issues that we were having. Um, but looking back now, through that first separation that we had, I can see the purpose of God in my life. And it was for me to begin to form that intimate relationship. And that God became more relational to me in that than just mm-hmm. this idea thought I knew before, but I didn't. And one of my go-to verses during that time was James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, wherever you have faced trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I always say James was having a good day. When he wrote that, yeah, like somebody was having a good day and decided to make the rest of us squirm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. But it did. It, it made me. It gave me comfort mm-hmm. to know that there's a bigger picture than just what I'm going through. He's doing something in me, mm-hmm. you know. So, in that time, I began counseling for myself, um, and, and began to look at, you know, what does this look like for me? You know, what are some issues I'm dealing with? Um, and counseling is an amazing thing, and I think everybody should do it. It's mm-hmm. it's so helpful. We were just talking about that in our last episode. Yeah, because I don't yeah. know if you okay. know Natalie. We we know each other, but we don't haven't ever talked one on one. Right. Um, I just started a master's in counseling program at Reformed Theological Seminary. So oh, we wow. were just talking about that on our last podcast, how all of us at this table have yep. been to counseling and had such a, it's just something yeah. we all need to do at some point in our lives. So yes. we all fully concur with that. Absolutely. <laughs> and Carrie told us that she doesn't psychoanalyze us yet. So we're good. <laughs> good. Good thing. She doesn't know enough about it yet. That's right. <laughs> um, so through that, through that counseling, I started to, like I said, look at myself and um, I started to learn about enabling with addiction and what that looks like because we all play a role with it. And it was it was something hard to look at myself and realize that I was playing a part in keeping him sick. Even though I thought I was helping, I was doing things that were hindering his sobriety. So he goes through the rehab program, and it's a Christ-centered rehab program. Um, and through throughout that process, you know, we're writing letters, and he eventually will get a phone call. And so we're talking, and it leads us both to feel like we have a calling on our life to minister to other couples who are battling with addiction. And not only just the addicts, but the spouses of the addicts, because mm-hmm. It's a family disease. It affects yeah. everybody, yeah. not just the addict. And so we, he was on fire for God. And he, we both felt this calling on our life to do this that we never felt before. And it, it just felt like everything had a purpose. You know, we were, this is why we've been through this. This is what we're supposed to do with our life. I don't know what it's going to look like, but mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. We're going to help people that have been through what we've been through. 
So he comes home and, you know, there's there's work that goes into you haven't lived together in 10 months at the time. And all of a sudden you're living together again as husband and wife and trying to deal with repairing things, you know, and it was it was a hard battle and it was a hard struggle. And I don't remember the specific date, but there was a time when there was another downward spiral and things started to go downhill. We, most of the time with addiction comes various other forms of betrayal. It's usually not just drugs or alcohol. There's other things that come with it, infidelity, internet sites, and other things that happen. Um, you know, we, we tried to fix it. We tried counseling, couples counseling, individual counseling. Um, didn't always follow through with that, but, you know, it's the nature of the beast. Um, we tried accountability partners, you know, in a briefly, very briefly, a couple of times. We had married couples come sit with us and walk with us and meet with us to try to repair this, you know, and try to make things better. Um, but when only one person wants to fix it, it's it's hard to pull the weight of both people. And at this point, I had become consumed in his journey, his walk, his sobriety, his actions, not even about mine. Mm -hmm. I was solely focused on him. And so um, in September of last year, he, almost a year now, he, he walked out and he walked out to a situation that better suited his desires and his needs for that time being. Um, I was mortified. I was crushed. I was heartbroken. Um, I felt like here I am left alone again to pick up these pieces. And I questioned God. I questioned God. I said, why are you allowing this? I know the calling that you, you have put on both of our lives. So why are you allowing us to fail? Why are you allowing us to go through all of this again? And why are you allowing us to fail when we've already overcome so much? You know, at this point, we've been together 14 years, you know, married almost five. And now we're going to fail. Why? I was holding on to my idea of the dream ending so hard that I couldn't see God working. I couldn't see God's reasoning in any of it because it wasn't what I thought it was going to look like. I wanted this. We beat this together. We've come out stronger. And now we're going to help other people right. see how to get through this with God's help. I think we all do that when we're in the middle of things not turning out the way that we wanted them to and it doesn't make sense and you can't see the purpose for it when you're in the middle of it. Yes. And so heartbreaking. I can imagine. It is. And so believe it or not, even after all of this, I was battling with the decision to file divorce papers. Um, I think I was secretly hoping and praying that there would be some 
God intervention that would stop it and would wake him up and, and make him realize, you know. But I actually had lunch with you, Heather. You play such a vital role in all, all of my journey. But and I was expressing to you how I was almost afraid. What if I file divorce papers too early? What if I file divorce papers before, you know, God gives him this revelation, you know, and wakes him up? And you said to me, you are not powerful enough to mess up God's will. You said, even if you file those papers, quote unquote, too soon, God will make another way. If that's his will, it will happen. And so I had a lot of peace with that. And so in November of last year, I filed divorce papers. And it's it's a whole different thing when you see your names in black and white on printed paper. And it says dissolution of marriage. It's totally different. And I began to question God and question Did I want God's will for my life or did I want my will? Because my will didn't hurt near as bad, it seemed like. (laughs) Right. You know, if I could have things my way, it wouldn't hurt so bad. And And I questioned, do I trust God? Do I trust you? If this is what my life is going to look like, do I really trust you? So I continued with counseling on my own and continued to work through these things. And I learned about um, codependency. And I had no idea how codependent I was. (laughs) Um, And I wrote down the definition for anybody who wanted to know. It's an excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or addiction. And signs of codependency are... You have a hard time saying no. You have poor boundaries. You feel compelled to take care of people. Um, You have trouble communicating honestly, which to me that means I have a hard time telling you my honest opinions, especially if it goes against your opinions or the way you want to do things. Um, And you deny your own needs, thoughts, or feelings, um, need to be liked by everyone, and a fear of abandonment. And I felt like that summed it up. Yeah. Like, hello, just put a sticker on me and label me codependent because <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah. What a revelation I'm sure that was to kind of put a name to it. Yes. Those ways of you'd always been that way, I guess. Yeah. Looking back over my life, always. To but know it was a thing. Right. Yes. Just- but even, you know, you guys had an early start. You were 17 when you guys got together and y'all kind of had to beat a lot of things. You had to, you kind of had to rely on each other pretty heavily during that season. I'm sure we did. We did. And it's, I don't know, looking back now, I can see my codependent ways, but back then I couldn't. And coming through all of that, at times feeling like we've got this, you know, it's us against the world. You know, we can do this. We've overcome this much this far. We got it. But addiction is a serious demon and it's a, it's a serious disease and it's, it's hard. Um, so in my revelation about codependency, 
Um, my questions before used to be, why wasn't I good enough? Why didn't he choose me? Why doesn't he love me? And how could he leave me? But all of those questions are an outward projection of him and his wants and his needs. When really it was about me, I needed to be asking myself questions of why have I allowed these things to happen? Why have I allowed myself to be treated this way? And why have I excused or explained away these behaviors? Wow. What message am I missing here that I think this is okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was hard. It was a long, hard process. Um, and it still is. I mean, I, I don't have it mastered, but it's just, and I'm in the beginning stages of it. Um, but in March of this year, our divorce was finalized. And it actually started a little bit before this, but everything shut down right after that, it seemed like. Right. So up until this point, before my divorce was finalized, I was just in survival mode, you know, one step after the other. Day after day, just get through each day, one at a time. So then with quarantine, everything shuts down and everybody's at home and it's isolation. And for me, isolation was a lot of free time and time for me to be in my own head. Mm. And so dealing with, you know, the finalization of things, my marriage is over. It's done. I'm a single woman now. Thoughts and feelings just swarmed my head. All I could see was what I had lost. All I could feel was punishment. I was envious of everybody's happiness. Whether they were married, single, didn't matter. Everybody's happiness, I was envious of it. Self-doubt, self-worth, mourning, Grief and failure is what I felt. And the only things that I could see was that I lost my marriage. I lost my husband, who I thought was the love of my life. Somebody I spent half of my life with. The man that I built my family with, the father of my children, is gone. I couldn't see anything else. It was like this black cloud just hovering over me, and nothing else would stick. I have an amazing group of women that support me and encourage me, and I reach out to, and they speak truth and love into me. And that encouragement is nice to hear, but it doesn't ease your pain. It doesn't take away the hurt. It felt as if nobody truly knew my pain. Nobody knew exactly what I was going through. My marriage was between him and I, so nobody understood the loss but me. So earthly things began to ease my pain and fill my mind. And it was a slippery slope. You know, and it was hard because I had allowed so much noise. Again, nobody could go anywhere or do anything. So we're all at home. Mm -hmm. 
So I had allowed so much noise to fill my mind and numb me, so to speak, that I couldn't hear God anymore. He seemed and felt distant to me. And I began to ask the why God questions. Why am I suffering? Why does he get to be happy? Why does he get to be rewarded? Why does he get to start over? And I'm left in what we built to pick it all up alone. Why God? So in that, I realized that, like I said, I had, I had begun to allow things to numb me, things of this earth to numb me and take a, t- distract me from what was really going on. So I realized that I needed to refocus and recenter. And for me, that looked like silence. It looked like no conversation, no TV, no music, no nothing. Even my very best friend was ready to pull up at my house (laughs) because I just had to stop conversation. There was nothing I could say. There was nothing different going on. It was the same situation, same story. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of talking about my hurt. I'm tired of talking about my pain. I'm just tired of talking. And I'm tired of listening. Tired of listening to the encouragement of other people Mm -hmm. or what they think are solutions or Mm -hmm. suggestions. Just tired. So I just needed silence. And it wasn't intentional. I'll just be honest with you. It's not like I set out to be silent to everybody and just sit in silence. But that's just what happened. And I just had to have some real honest conversations with God. And they were tearful fist-shaking, voice-raising conversations with him about my hurt and my pain. And I felt like it wasn't fair. All because of the heartache that I was feeling. And it's funny because to me, I innately believe in the good of humans and people. And they let me down daily. But even somebody I don't know, I'm going to automatically believe in the good in them before I think or believe anything bad. But when it comes to my trials and tribulations, I question God. It's like, uh, what you doing? Uh, really? Are you sure? What, what, what is the purpose in this? Um, and the song, it's funny how when you listen to songs over and over, they don't always send the same message, but this one, It's called If We're Honest by Francesca Battistelli. And the words jumped out to me that said, you know, love can heal what hurt divides and mercy's waiting on the other side, if we're honest. And I think the song is about a relationship, but that's not what I heard at this time. What I heard was love of my father can heal this hurt. It can heal the pain that I feel. And God can take it, you know, that's something that I've learned just in some reading I've done for school recently. Like, how do you stay close to God when you are going through these really hard times where you just don't understand why are you doing this to me? And he can take all of your emotions, your grief, your doubt, your anger. You can lay all of that on him. And 
that's okay. He's not going to be like, how dare you talk to me like that, kid? Yes. That's not the nature of God. Like, right. he he can take it and he will listen. And that's, I imagine, one of the ways, has that been your experience of that's one of the ways that you got even closer to him was just laying it all out there for him? Absolutely. And through this, like, like I said, voice raising, fish shaking conversations with God, which before I had always tried to come to him properly so to speak and which is not in full honesty like that song says right because he knows how you're really feeling anyway yes exactly and it looked like (laughs) god why like just flat out why what are you doing i'm just kind of picturing like a kid who wasn't supposed to like have cookies and he's like and then the parents like what are you doing nothing (laughs) i mean i see them in your hand Tell me, just tell me, Mm -hmm. tell me that you want a cookie, (laughs) you know, because I might would give it to you, but don't hide it. Yes. Because I already know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had to get raw and honest with God about my pain and about my hurt. And again, not like you didn't already know, but it was more from me perspective. I needed to get that raw and realness with him. Because like I said, I tried to put on a good face, so to speak, for him before and be a good and faithful servant and and be kind in my prayers. And but this was just pleading with God, you know, take this pain away, ease this pain, comfort me, something. You something. know who that sounds like? Remember yeah. when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yes. Yes. And he was praying that same thing. Yes. To his father. Wow. And, that, and those are prayers of desperation. You know, I was listening to a podcast earlier today where a pastor was talking about the different kinds of prayers that we can pray. And just think about when if when a kid comes to you and if you're a parent, maybe you can relate to this. But like a kid comes to you and they're, you know, can I have this? Can I do this? Whatever. I want this. Well, can you do this for me? It's like maybe yes or no. But if when, when some there's a whining phase and you're like, OK, but there, then there's like a desperation, like I need this. Like when you just you don't know anything else but to ask for this thing. Yeah. And he was just talking about why. Why do we not approach God like that? A lot of times we approach him half heartedly, not expecting mm-hmm. that he would speak this to us or do this for us or move on our behalf. But his he he is kind towards us and as, as his children, especially when we come with desperation before him. And I know I have been guilty of so many half-hearted prayers. I don't think we get grace. I really don't think that we understand the concept of grace. We talk about it. I can tell you all the verses about it. I have it tattooed somewhere, but I don't think that we understand the depth of God's grace for us. Like, why I would really he even we do. I, I have anything to do with us? I know. I mean, even in, in Matthew, because y'all are parents. Carrie and I have dogs. If, you know, <laughs> same if, thing. I know, same <laughs> thing. But if, if you know your child comes to you and wants something, the Bible says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Right. How much more the Father in heaven? And I mean, like you're, you wouldn't give your kid a snake if he asked for a fish or if he was hungry and wanted bread, you wouldn't give him a stone and we wouldn't do that for our dogs. No. So if we, you know, if we do that being evil, how much more is the father in heaven going to give us? But it's so much easier for me to believe he'll do it for you 
Yeah. Yes. But not me because I know me. And I got some, there's some stuff. Yeah. You know, yes. and, and God knows my stuff. And he might give me a stone <laughs> instead of bread. You know, <laughs> right. like, girl, you need to cut back on your carbs. Here's a rock. But, you know, so it's just, <laughs> but that's not who he is. Like Carrie said, that's just not the nature of God. In the process of doing all of that, I had. In October and November of last year, I had started walking through a book by Paul David Tripp called Suffering, and it's about gospel hope when life seems unfair. And so my friend Brittany and I had started to walk through that, um, but because of holidays and things in that time of the year, and then I changed jobs, um, we just never got to get back into it. So through all of this, I picked it back up recently, and I just want to share something really profound to me. It's one of the many, many things from this book that has jumped out at me and has been exactly what I needed at this time. Looking back, I didn't need it back then. I didn't need it as badly back then when we had started to dig into it, but now it's speaking to me. It's one of those you want to highlight and underline every word of every page, and you're like, calm down. Calm down. (laughs) Um, But in it, he talks about Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet. He did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so in this, he kind of breaks it down and talks about the trap of doubt. And he breaks it down to tell us a couple of things out of this verse. And a couple of those things are in our suffering, we have an advocate that the one who sits on the throne not only faced the things that we faced, but he did it without ever sinning. And he pleads to the Father on our behalf. We have somebody up there fighting for us on our behalf. We don't have to deny deny what we're going through or how it's affecting us. We can be real and open about it. Um, and because of his advocacy, we have a reason to stand strong. It doesn't take long for our suffering to become a crisis of faith, which retrospect, that's what I was having, Mm -hmm. literally a crisis of my faith. Um, It's easy to trust God when it's easy, (laughs) when it's comfortable. Yeah. It's hard to trust God when he doesn't make sense to us. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note that at some point we're all going to have a crisis of faith. It's just Absolutely. part of the journey, and and it goes back to being real about who you are and your relationship with God and being honest, because yes. I think sometimes when you start doubting, you start, no, 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 I can't walk down that road. I can't walk down this road. I can't do it. I've got to just walk this line. I've got to walk this line. But there's so much beauty in the brokenness when you yes. finally are just like, okay, it's all there. I hope you're happy <laughs> with how things have turned out, <laughs> because this is what it is, and you know, and just have those conversations with him, and he's like... All right. Yes. 
you know? Yes. And, and another thing that he points out is, you know, suffering is not just spiritual warfare, Mm -hmm. but it's also a battle for our heart because suffering, you're either going to look one way or another. And it's, it's about how we deal with it. And, and it's not just, like I said, you know, a a spiritual warfare, it's a battle for our hearts and what we do with it. Um, but because of his advocacy, we have a reason to stand strong and we can't establish peace in our heart by trying to understand things that God hasn't revealed to us yet. Wow. I'm processing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's deep. Um, and he talks about in this verse and he, he portraying that Jesus carried our penalty on that cross so that our toughest moments we are met with mercy. We're not met with judgment. He's carried my pain and my suffering. And and he also breaks it down further to say, your advocate is able to sympathize with your weakness, which I think is what I've been searching for. Mm-hmm. Somebody to really understand yes. that I can feel my heart physically breaking. Mm-hmm. It physically hurts me what I'm dealing with. And he not only suffered that, Jesus not only suffered that, but he suffered it alone. Mm. And he suffered it alone so that we don't have to. We don't have to be alone in our suffering. We don't have to go through it without somebody who truly understands and sympathizes with our pain. Mm-hmm. Jesus knows my pain. I don't have to deny it. There does not have to be any justification or explanation with him. He just knows it. He's been there. He's walked it. And he modeled the perfect way to do it. So that's been my refuge. That's been my place of rest and silence. I don't have to find the perfect words to explain to Jesus what it feels like. He knows. That's so powerful. And Mm -hmm. I can just lay it there. You know, I think um, I always think about about Peter. I love the Apostle Peter because he was such a loud mouth. Just I relate so well with him um, and his denial of Christ after saying, no, I promise I won't. It's almost like the vow till death do us part. And then for him to do it. And Jesus knew he was going to do it. And then the beautiful way he restored him. Yes. After. It's just grace. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful picture of it. So here we are. It's been almost a year since he walked out. Um, I still cry. It still hurts. Um, and I'm still sad. But I'm learning that life is not about perfection. It's about growth and connection. And God is teaching me to change my perspective, to not focus on the things I lost or the pain I feel, but to focus on the things that I've gained throughout this. Things like self-awareness, learning to establish boundaries for myself. I've gained my own agenda. Mm -hmm. I've gained freedom. I'm not trapped by his addiction anymore. And the two most important things to me that I have gained that I will never give up again 
is peace and self-love. I'm learning to love myself as God made me, and I'm learning to love myself as God sees me. I'm learning that I'm enough, and I'm learning that I'm good. I am loved, and I am loved so much that Jesus died for me, and he suffered alone because he loves me. So my question of why God has turned into questions of who, what, where, and how. What are you teaching me, God? Where are you leading me, God? Who can I help, God? And how can I share your glory through my story? So that dream you had of helping other people is still a reality. Absolutely. Just not in the way you thought. It just looks different now. And don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating for divorce. I, with my whole heart, believe in the covenant of marriage. And I think you should fight for your marriage. And there is nothing, no betrayal, no wrongdoing, nothing that God cannot restore. I've seen it done. But I was alone in fighting for my marriage. And you can't save a partnership with only one team player. Mm -hmm. But I know that I did everything in my power to fight for that marriage. So if your marriage doesn't work out for whatever reason, please hear me when I say this. God is still good. God has not left you. God is still faithful and God still loves you. I want to ask you a question. If you could go back to that girl when this first started happening, what would you tell yourself? What piece of advice would you give yourself? I think I would tell myself to look within myself. And maybe that looks like Focus more on my relationship with Christ and focus more on my self image. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have done anything differently. Don't get me wrong, we all do things in marriages, and, and there, I'm not saying that I am not at fault in any way, but I don't believe any of my faults are marriage ending. And None of them violated our vows. Um, And I don't think that I would change anything that I've been through being on this side of it now. And I'm not through it, but I'm at a place where I can see the growth and the purpose for it. Um, So, yeah, maybe just I would tell myself that I'm worth it. That... I'm worth being treated the way he tells me I should be treated. I'm so worth it that he thought it necessary to make me. Yeah. You know? And a lot of times we try to, we spend our efforts and energies trying to fix the other person in their relationship, whatever kind of relationship that is, when if we could, like you said, you took time to go to counseling on your own 
you decided to say like, what can I, what part do I have to play in this? And where can I get healthy on my own, regardless of what the other person is doing? And, and you found that to be so beneficial because then you learned so much about yourself that was actually impacting your marriage and your struggles. Now, during this season, after that first night that you attended a small group, the life group with the other women, I don't remember at what point, but there was not long after that, you actually began leading a life group of women I did during this struggle. I'd love for you to kind of talk about what was that experience like for you trying to lead women and also having your own struggles. What was that like for you? And then how important has it been during this time to be connected to your local church? When I attended that life group that night, if you would have told me I would have been leading a women's life group, I would have told you you're crazy. <laughs> I don't even like the sound of my own voice, let alone being the person doing talking at a group of women, you know, and leading a study. I, I don't have enough biblical knowledge. I don't know enough. I, I don't know how to do this. But it was all part of God's plan and... So yeah, after eventually after going to that first night of women's group, um, I started out co-leading with a friend of mine, um, and then she eventually transitioned out, and I transitioned in as a leader. And it was hard to balance all of that because I think at that time he was in a six-month inpatient rehab, which was an hour and a half, two hours away. Um, so yeah, juggling being a single mom and sporting activities and be working full time and leading a life group, it was hard, but it gave me purpose. I felt like it gave me purpose more so than surface level purpose. It gave me purpose and it gave me people to connect to on a deeper level. You know, other moms that knew the struggle of raising kids and knew the struggles of, you know, issues within your marriage. Um, But also it was accountability, you know, and accountability for me to stay in the word and stay practicing what I was learning, you know, and teaching these women. So it was extremely pivotal. And then to stay involved in church, it was, there wasn't another option. Let me put it that way. That, Not staying connected and coming to a gathering was not an option for me. My soul needed that time with my church family to worship. Even though I'm going through this trial, God, you're still good. And just being able to stand beside other people that I know are walking through struggles and they're struggling themselves or they're barely holding on or they've had a death in the family or they lost their job this week or they just recently got divorced or whatever the struggle is. We're all here united as one body of Christ worshiping our Heavenly Father. And it's something that you cannot get anywhere else. There's something about, like you said, seeing someone else. And I remember times of... We would be in the gathering and I knew the struggles you were walking through and you were just unabandoned singing, God, you're so good. You're so good to me. 
And it just encouraged my faith so much to, to think, wow, like she's walking through something so dark and so painful. But to see you giving that expression back to God encouraged and strengthened my faith. Because mm-hmm. while I might not have been going through something like that in that moment, you know, I, I love to think about that song because that song is just like, it's unchanging regardless of our circumstances. But I think about all the different times and moments that I have been in a situation in a church gathering or even that song's come on the radio and I'm singing it and all the different circumstances of my life and the people around me. But I love how that truth is so unchanging. But I just think especially in 2020 and right now with the just everything that's going on in our world, in our country, in the in our local churches, I think the temptation is to continue to maybe isolate in one way or another because it's it's easy. And so, um, you know, it's like you were saying about there's something about gathering with the local church and at least belonging, whether that's through an online life group, whether that's through an online gathering of a local church, just being connected and being a part and having that accountability. Yes. Someone to know your name and know your struggle and to check, be checking on you. And know that they didn't see you Sunday or they didn't get to talk to you. It's, it's just, it, it makes you feel loved and connected and wanted. And speaking about the worship, it, it, for me, it forces a mind shift to where I'm not focused on my circumstance and I can focus on the reasons God is good in my life. And so it, that, that mind shift happens for me of not on the storms I'm dealing with, but the things where I can see him in my life and see that he's still good and he's still working and he's blessed me with so many things my two children being one, I am so blessed to be their mother. It's it's unbelievable. And I am, feel so lucky to be able to live life with them and the joy that they bring to my life. But it, it forces me to look at the blessings of my life, and, and it makes me, allows me to see the goodness of God no matter what. And so that, for me, is what worship does for me. It's, you know, as the song says, let it all else fade away. You know, I just want you, Jesus. And that's what it is for me. It's just a, a time for me to reflect and praise what's good, even though I may not see it throughout the week. I can see it when I'm with my church family and worshiping. Wow. I'm so thankful that you listen to the Holy Spirit in that prompting to not stay in your pain and stay in that place of silence, but also you gave yourself permission to kind of be in that place where you said, I just need some silence. I I just need to just take a break from everything. Um, So you allowed yourself the space to have that, but then you, you didn't stay there and it could have been very easy for you to stay there, to stay in the, well, my life didn't turn out the way I wanted. And I'm seeing all these other people on social media or here and their life is looks great and it's what I want to have and I don't have that. So let me just have a pity party for a long time. Yes. Let me just focus on me and focus on what I don't have versus like you said, being able to have that honest conversation with God and just duke it out until exactly <laughs> wrestle with the yes. Lord until <laughs> you went, okay, your, your will, not mine. Yes. Show me what you're doing. You know, it's kind of how I felt. As we have 
probably come to a consensus on from this conversation is that we as people are made for communion, communion with God and with each other, right? And so we talked about the life groups and the different ways of connecting with other people. And you are about to start ho- uh, leading an online life group as well. Is that right? That's right. Um, that's something new that's just come about recently. And it's just one of the many ways that I can kind of see God's purpose for this new season of singleness in my life. Um, so I'm looking at trying to form an online life group of women that is centered around single women, single moms, whatever the case may be, whether you're single because you're widowed or divorced or what, whatever. I just feel like God is using this season of singleness for me to reach people that I used to could not relate to, you know, and Thinking about it now, the women's group that I lead on Wednesday, I think I'm the only single one. (laughs) I think they're all married. And so I think it's going to be not only good for my soul, but I think it's going to be good for us women to come together and talk about the struggles. Mm. And so the study that I'm looking into doing is called Living Single. And it talks about how sometimes we can feel forgotten by God in our singleness. And it it addresses the struggles and challenges and joys of being single. And it talks about how to be single in a couple's world Hmm. and how you can still enjoy things with other couples. And you don't have to be outcasted, so to speak. You can still be included, even though, shoot, I'll be a third wheel in a heartbeat (laughs) or a fourth wheel in a heartbeat. I don't care. Y'all are my friends. We can still have fun together. Just because I'm single doesn't mean I can't do things with y'all anymore. Um, But it just talks about how we can embrace and overcome the challenges and where the desire for marriage comes from and what we should do with it and how to stand strong in the face of temptation. Because being single in 2020 is hard. I haven't dated in 15 years. I was 16. So things have changed. I've changed. The world has changed. The dating scene has changed. And not only that, add COVID and quarantine into it and nobody's coming out. Nobody, everybody's at home. Everybody's staying single. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's hard. But... So how can people find out or join this group or find out more information about this group? We're still working on that. And I think it's actually going to be connected somehow to the exchanges Facebook page. But we're still working on the details. Kevin Smith and Brian Rester and I are working on that. Um, Again, this is something that was just newly hatched within the last week. So um, maybe you could, I could put your a contact for you, maybe a contact email or something yeah. in the show notes. That way, if anybody that wants to be a part of this new online group absolutely. could reach out to you that way and you could get them that information for how to be a part. Yes, absolutely. I think that's incredible. I'm just sitting here overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, you can't see her, but she's smiling ear to ear mm-hmm. and you just <laughs> heard her story. You just heard what she's still even walking through, but that joy that you were talking about from James counted all joy when yes. you face trials of many kinds Man, your faith has been tested it has but you have persevered and you have followed the Lord through this and I just am overwhelmed about just hearing your story 
and um, just at the power of God in your life. It's amazing. And a lot of people, I think, in your shoes would feel counted out. But you're going, nope, I'm not counted out because my life didn't go like I planned. I'm not counted out because someone did something unkind to me, (laughs) very hurtful to me. But I'm still following the Lord, and the Lord still has purpose for my life. And I'm just so excited for you and just how you're letting the Lord lead you and continue to heal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what I was going to say is, you know, I'm still hurt and I'm still wounded, but that doesn't mean I can't live out God's purpose for me. Mm, And as hard and gut-wrenching as this has been with God, I cannot imagine it without, without him. I can't imagine what it would feel like without that hope and peace. So you don't have to wait to get completely healed or completely happy again to, not. to serve. Absolutely not. I almost encourage you to do it in the middle of your suffering or whatever you're going through. And you think you don't want to, but we all are comfortable with what we know. So I would like to encourage anybody that is considering serving or reaching out or joining a group or getting connected to a church, don't wait. Do it now. Do it in the middle of your mess because we're all messy people. Let's just be messy together. Amen, sister. <laughs> That's good. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you all for having me. One of the things that we always ask at the end of our conversations is we want to know something new that you're loving. could be anything. Well, I guess kind of the new life group that I'm getting ready to start and living single and being in this season of singleness. But one thing that I am currently loving are loaded teas. And I know they're all the rave right now, but I love them. Is that what you have in your cup here? Yes, it is. You even have the, the what do you call the thing it's in? Koozie. Koozie. I yes. have that exact koozie, by the do way. You? Great yes. minds. She has a loaded tea koozie for all her loaded teas. I do. What's your favorite loaded tea? Probably strawberry watermelon. Mm. That's my favorite. Do you have a favorite loaded tea place? I do. It's called Happy Nutrition, and it's over there in Pearl, and some very good friends of mine own it. And it's a great place, friendly service, and they're the best. Is it true that they, like, wake you up or something? I've heard they make you super focused. Mental clarity, no sugar, 24 calories. They're awesome. And their meal replacement shakes taste amazing. They're the best ones I've had. This episode brought to you by Happy Nutrition. <laughs> they don't know it yet, but you're a sponsor, you so. <laughs> no, they're just really good friends. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah. Thanks so much, Natalie, for having the courage to share your story. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. We're so glad you joined us for this episode of the 517 Life Podcast. I told you you were going to love Natalie, and what a blessing to hear her share so candidly about her journey. I think my favorite part was hearing about her honest conversations with the Lord in the middle of her pain and all the things that God has done in her life as a result of walking through that pain. To echo her words, if you are walking through something hard right now, you are not alone. God has not left you. He will redeem your story if you let Him. It may not look the way you think it will, but He is good and you can trust Him. If you'd like to connect with Natalie or find out more information about her online Bible study, You can find that information in today's show notes. There's no doubt you know someone else who would be blessed by listening to this episode. So take a minute right now and share this episode with your friends. 
Let us know how this episode has blessed you. You can find us on Instagram. Send us a DM at 517 Life Podcast. We can't wait to connect with you. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a minute of life.